Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Friday edition Pro Football Talk Live, NBCSN, Sirius XM 211. Hello to our friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. You enjoyed a little bit more today because Sims out as he always is on Fridays. Shereen Williams in for the day, trolling me with the Roger Staubach jersey. I see. At least you haven't gotten a Drew Pearson jersey to periodically put up instead of that one. Yeah, that's that's true. You would you would probably like the Drew Pearson one maybe a little bit better. So I'll get Drew Pearson and Nate Wright side by side. <laughs> there it is really are you serious shireen did you do that good morning they had it ready to go of not. course they had to, they had they had to figure it would come up at some point today the over under was 45 seconds and if you bet the under congratulations all right well good morning shireen and uh let's get right to it there's plenty of things happening in the nfl and one of the things that has i it ha- we're still waiting for closure we're having baby steps toward the eventual closure, whenever it will be. But at least for now, the door is closed on the name of one of the Cowboys' top rivals. The Washington football team is no longer known by the name for which it was known for 87 years. It is currently known by no name other than the Washington football team. The franchise apparently threw its hands in the air yesterday, Shireen, and said, we can't dot the I's, we can't cross the T's. Most importantly, we can't get the appropriate federal trademark protections in place so we can sell merchandise with the new name on it. So we're going to wait to have a new name, and we're going to play a season, at least a season, with no name at all. Washington football team. Logos removed from the helmet. Washington placed under the NFL shield on the front of the jersey. The uniforms look good. They've got the gold version of the number on the side of the helmet so they wouldn't look like Alabama. I kind of like what it looks like. I don't like the fact that they were sufficiently dysfunctional, shockingly, to not get a new name in place before the start of the season. 
It has to be the first time in history, Mike, that the NHL has won up the NFL. But they did that yesterday, and their timing was impeccable with the naming of the new Seattle franchise, the Kraken. And I think they got a lot of publicity out of that. You know, the marketing director, who is new, what, a week or two into the job, said that, you know, these things take... You know, 12 to 18 months. Seattle took two years to do their name. They went through over a thousand names. They vetted a hundred names, seriously considered a hundred names, looked at polls, looked online. I would have been more surprised, I think, if they had got it done before the start of the season based on where we have come from. I mean, they just announced at the beginning of the month that they were going to do away with the name. Ten days ago, they said, we're definitely not going to have it for this year. And now all of a sudden, they're supposed to have a new name when they don't have trademark protections, all of that stuff. It, it was really quick. I would have been more surprised that they had gotten it done before the season. They need time to do this, and, and they're going to have now a year. They need, to, they need to roll it out next spring for sure. We were on hiatus when this all came up, and last week I remember seeing in the Washington Post the first story hinting at how long it takes to rebrand a sports team because of all of the things you have to do. And that's fine. Shereen, everything you said is perfectly reasonable. My position on that is this is part of the debt you accrue when you say in May of 2013, you're never changing the name, put it in all caps, and you don't plan for what is an inevitability. If you don't have the foresight to realize that your decision as the owner of the team to dig in your feet and pout and have a tantrum and refuse to consider that at some point, you're going to have to change that name. At some point during your tenure as owner of the team, you're going to have to change that name. You better have something ready in your back pocket for when your front pockets are emptied. That's why I have no sympathy for Daniel Snyder here. And look, he thought as of a couple of weeks ago when they said, when everyone expected that there would be new name out or old name out and new name in, that they're going to keep the old name until they have a new name. They expected to have a new name. Like, you know, even even when it comes to the realities of rebranding an NFL franchise, there was a level of defiance and stubbornness from Daniel Snyder. He should have just acknowledged from the get-go. It should have been the plan from the start that we're going to go with this placeholder of Washington football team, and it isn't going to be a short process, and it is going to take a year to a year and a half. And it's almost like the owner had to come to that conclusion on his own before they could make it official which maybe it should have been. Look, I, I mean, there's all sorts of failures here. Are we surprised that a team that has been so dysfunctional for the last two decades could screw this up? They didn't see it coming, and when it was thrust upon them, they didn't realize that it wasn't something they would be able to quickly do, and now, three weeks in, they finally cry uncle and say, we can't come up with a new name this quickly. Maybe they should have never even tried to. Well, you know, Mike, hashtag uh, HTTWFT doesn't have the same ring to it. A friend, of mine, a friend of mine is a fan of the team, and she reversed those last letters. You have to be careful saying those last yeah. letters, but she reversed those letters. But, you know, I, I, let's go back to when I was on last on this show, which was, I don't know, six weeks ago, two months ago, whatever it was, and you were the first one saying, look, this has to change. And I said... Yes, I agree, but you're the only one banging this this drum. And it was a very soft drum at that time, Mike. You started banging it, and it got louder and louder and louder. And once the sponsor said, we're out, you've got to change this name, that's when it all happened. The voices all came together. But we could all see this coming, I think. 
when you first started this course a couple months ago, and, and now it's happened, but you're right. He should have known that this was going to come at some point. This was going to happen. At least start getting some trade, quietly get some trademarks of, of other things you think you might want to change it to. What does that hurt to have those? It doesn't cost you very much money. You have them, and then if it happens, you're ready to go if it does happen. And, you know, that's an excellent point because once it became inevitable that they were changing the name, I started to research the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's free database. It's out there for anyone. It takes some some work finding it and figuring out how to actually do the search, but it's not all that complicated as evidenced by the fact that I figured it out. But this guy, Martin McCauley, who's made a hobby out of squatting on potential team names for the Washington franchise for years, the moment that it it was announced that the team would be conducting a thorough review of the name back in on July the 3rd, he started loading up the cannon with more of these names where he squats on the trademark rights. And it shouldn't be look, here's the, it shouldn't be that hard. If the name they want is one of the names that Martin McCauley has, it shouldn't be that hard. He's made it clear that he doesn't want anything. Now he said more recently he wants a scholarship to be funded for Native American students. I mean, I, you know, you have to engage the guy to find out what he really wants, and I've gotten the impression they refuse to engage him. There's just been this stubbornness, intransigence, defiance that characterizes everything Daniel Snyder does, and this is what happens when it unfolds in this context. It ends up being this, this slippery, elusive, what in the hell are you people trying to do because you're not doing anything that you need to be doing to lay the foundation to change the name. So I'm not surprised by any thing that's happened Shireen I just have no sympathy for Daniel Snyder that he's found himself in this weird box where he says he's going to conduct a thorough review of the name he says he's going to get rid of the current name and replace it simultaneously with a new name and then eventually has to say this isn't going to work we're just going to go with this this placeholder Washington football team please buy our merchandise for the Washington football team but just for this year by next year we'll have more merchandise that you can buy well, and that's the thing. They will sell mer more merchandise because they're going to sell merchandise this year because a lot of people like the look of, of of what it is and they have kept the colors and then they'll sell merch more merchandise even next year. So that could have played a part in it too. This this could be a, a money-making opportunity for, for the franchise. But uh, it, it, it is not surprising that this is where this franchise is for sure. And I'll say this, and, and you can kind of tack on to this, Mike, whether you think that coming out with a name now would have been a positive, maybe to bury some of all the negative that we've heard from this franchise, or is now the wrong time to do this because of all the negativity associated with this franchise? I would say, you know, it would, it would bury some of the negativity because we would be talking about the name, although we're talking about the name anyway, and we've it put some of the other stuff aside just because we're sitting here talking about the name, but there has been so That's much negativity associated yeah. with this franchise. That's a great point, and here's the thing. If you pick the right name, it definitely goes a long way toward turning the page. They're trying so desperately to turn the page on a history of dysfunction, on a bad culture that somehow Daniel Snyder bears no responsibility for. That inevitably will be the result of the, of the investigation conducted by the lawyer whose check Daniel Snyder will be signing. But I have no faith in a Daniel Snyder-led organization to pick the right name. See, if they actually, th this is, there's a little kernel of wisdom 
in the decision to just punt until next year or maybe even longer because chances are if they had picked a name now, it wouldn't have been a good name. So let's stop. Let's wait. Let's just let's 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 hang on here before we do something rash that may only make things worse. Let's wait to pick a name. So I, in, a, in a very reluctant way, I'm going to give a Daniel Snyder led organization some credit for recognizing, yes, they could have found a way to make things worse. And, you know, here we are, Shereen, a week away from when the. Washington Post article regarding 15 former female employees of the Washington football team had claimed they were sexually harassed. And this past weekend operated as a hard reset. We get into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and there's nothing. I thought maybe FedEx would issue a statement to the extent that FedEx founder Fred Smith is anxious to maybe nudge Daniel Snyder out. And when you consider that FedEx issued a statement over the name, would the sponsors do anything? Would they say anything? Now, that could all still come, but I'm surprised that here we are a week after what was a pretty damning report, not nearly as damning as the online speculation would have suggested, but it was still pretty damn bad. It's I don't want to say it's almost like it never happened, but it sort of feels like it never happened. Yeah, we, we're not talking about it for sure. They did hire... Uh, another female in the organization in football ops, and, and I do think they're making some good moves. But, yeah, it, it, this thing just disappeared very quickly, and, and I know it's going to bubble back up when, when the attorney starts getting involved and we start seeing the report of, of what is found. But it is amazing that it, how quickly we've quit talking about this report because it is damning to the organization and, and what we've heard so far. And there may be even more to come out on this, uh, when they start getting into into it and looking within the organization. But, Shereen, let's play this forward a little bit. You've got an outside lawyer who has no subpoena power, who has no ability to compel cooperation from anyone who is not currently employed by the team. You've got 15 former employees of the franchise. There's no guarantee that one of them, two of them, all 15 of them will even cooperate. They've got no obligation to cooperate. The only obligation they have under their severance agreements is to keep their mouths shut pursuant to their NDAs. I made the point yesterday, instead of NDAs, what these deals should have in them, whether it's a standard severance agreement that is signed when employment ends or a specifically negotiated settlement of complaints that were made internally and maybe there's going to be litigation and this is the way to avoid litigation, there should be a clause in those agreements that says that the person will cooperate with any investigations that may unfold in the future conducted by the organization or by the NFL, that there is an obligation as part of that compensation received in exchange for what typically is an NDA. It, it's a, it's a, an agreement that you will disclose within the right setting and the right circumstances because Beth Wilkinson, the lawyer who's been hired by Daniel Snyder, may have a hell of a time getting anyone to talk. And how hard, see that, here's the other thing too, and this is why I'm skeptical of an investigation being conducted by a lawyer who's being paid by Daniel Snyder. There are ways that you can still get the information. You can be persistent. You can be extra charming. You can be creative. You can stay outside of someone's house. You can just keep, keep trying and trying and trying. If you really don't want to know what the person says, it's pretty easy 
to not find out what the person is going to say. You make one phone call, they express some reluctance, you say, thank you very much for your time, you hang up the phone and you cross them off the list. So it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive this investigation is if and when former employees decline to talk. Maybe Bruce Allen, who's going to be one of the key employees and potentially one of the persons who this former culture is blamed upon, maybe he refuses to talk. I mean, if you have key former employees who say, I'm not helping you, I'm not doing Daniel Snyder any favors, you're not going to be able to conduct a meaningful investigation. So there is a chance that this just becomes one of those things that as time goes by and we focus on other stories, Shereen, we just will think about it from time to time. Like like the, the Patriots-Bengals taping of the sideline before the penalties were announced on the same night that the Patriots signed Cam Newton, which was the perfect time to announce the signing of Cam Newton. But we just kind of forget about it until we're reminded of it, until there's some reason for it to land on the radar screen again. It just kind of goes away. I got a feeling that to a certain extent, this is just going to kind of go away. And uh, it's going to take, I think, diligence and persistence on the part of the media to get updates, to get, you know, we're, we're never going to say, they're, they're not going to make the final report available. They're going to say this deals with sensitive personnel matters and it cannot be disclosed publicly. I guarantee you that's what they're going to say. So I, I, I and, 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 and I think they'll be emboldened by the fact, Shireen, that over the course of the past week, it's all kind of already went away. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not real confident that that this is ever going to come back. And if it does, it's going to be more of a footnote than a centerpiece. Well, fortunately, there's people like you, Mike, to bang that drum, and you'll continue to do that and continue to press for answers. And, and so that's the fortunate thing. And that's why we need the media, frankly. People say we don't need the media. We do need me- the media because things like this will go away. The Dallas Mavericks went through this same thing Eh, two, two and a half years ago, and they've come out the other end. They did all the right things. Mark Cuban did absolutely all the right things. They went internally and looked. He said he cried for days. And I don't know that Dan Snyder has cried for days, but but Mark Cuban didn't like that in his organization, uh, that that his business ops had, had problems just like Washington's going through. And he hired Sent Marshall, who was a very influential businesswoman, worked for AT&T, and he hired her to head the organization. And they cleaned up the organization. They gave $10 million to various women's groups and and did a lot of the the right things. And I think now, if you look at the Dallas Mavericks, they've come out the other end of this. No one's talking about this. When they do talk about it, it's like, hey, they've done the right things within the organization. It's a good organization to work for now. And and, uh, I know this, Washington has the right man in charge and and Ron Rivera to to clean this up if Dan Snyder continues to let him be the voice and the face of the organization. Oh, and he definitely is. He's going to be on CBS this morning to discuss the situation with the Washington football team with Gail King today. So, you know, it has crossed over into a mainstream news story and the team is treating it that way. And maybe they are in the process of figuring out how to rebuild a franchise that has not been very good on the field and has had these issues that that need to be addressed, need to be fixed. They're getting there with the name. They apparently are going to get there with the culture, and then fans ultimately hope that they get there with the product on the football field. And speaking of the field, baseball was back on the field last night, but there was a positive test for a player from the Washington baseball team that – exposes a set of circumstances that could cause football 
to collapse onto itself in a pandemic. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after. Dr. Anthony Fauci with the first pitch last night at Nationals Park as the Nationals host the Yankees. He cannot say he was freaked out by the crowd. That can that Anthony. Now, look, I, I, hey, we have seen some bad first pitches over the years. It happens. It, but, but, and, and I, look, and, and I, by the time you reach your late 70s, Shireen, I'd like to think that you know whether or not you can throw a baseball. And if you can't throw a baseball, politely decline the invitation to throw out the first pitch for the home opener. Hey, I did that two years ago at a Rangers game. It is not as easy as it looks, but mine was far better than Dr. Fauci's was. I remember that now. Give us the idea of what (laughs) actually is going on inside of your brain, inside of your chest, where I have a feeling the heart rate increases dramatically as you go out there to fire off the first pitch. Yeah, well, I actually practice. Claude Osteen, who won 199 career games with the Dodgers, lives here and, and belongs to my country club, and we golf together sometimes. So he was a former pitching coach in, in the major league, so I practiced with, for this first pitch. So I thought I had it down. I looked good. Boy, I was ready. And you go out there, and, and you're not at all ready, and, and it, it does. You get amped up, and he, he said, I forgot to tell you to throw it at the catcher's head. Don't look at the mitt. And I was like, well, that might have been helpful, but you're scared you're going to throw it to the fence, you know, and you don't have that arm power, so you bounce it in there. I, I remember, though, vaguely that yours was straight down the middle, at least. It was not it was. way, way outside, right? I remember that. I did that. hit the dirt. And, and yeah, I hit we, the dirt. We had... now, now, did you linger and take in the moment because we showed Peter King's first pitch from a minor league game earlier this year. And if I recall correctly, he basically throws it and leaves. (laughs) I didn't even wait. He's just, my work here is done. I'm out of here. Did you at least hang around on the mound for a few seconds? I did. It's pretty cool experience. And then they signed the baseball for you. One of the, the, uh, the the uh, coaches for the Rangers actually caught mine and, and signed the baseball for me. So it was it was a cool experience. I, I enjoyed it. Here's Peter. Walks down the red carpet, gets to the mound, throws it, and uh, my work here is done. See you later. <laughs> yeah. I gotta go. Oh, he does yeah. come in. He does come in to shake the. But there's no there's no build up. There's no excitement. There's no drama. He's just like, yeah, let me get this over with and get out of here. Maybe that's the way to do it. You don't think about it at all. You just go out there and <laughs> and throw the ball. Uh, I, I, I doubt, given my general position on baseball, I doubt that I'll ever have the opportunity. But I, 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 can, I can say with some degree of confidence that I would be able to throw it at least straight. It, there may be some issues with how high or low it is, but I can at least with some degree of confidence say that I would, I would be able to throw it straight. All right. Um, the, the bigger news coming out of baseball beyond the fact that baseball is back as it relates to the COVID-19 situation and the protocols that baseball is using and the protocols football will be using outfitter Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals fell into a donut hole that the NFL is very concerned about that lag between when you give a test and when the test result comes back and what you do in the interim and as it turned out for Soto he was tested on a Tuesday played in an exhibition game against the Orioles on Tuesday night worked out at Nationals Park on Wednesday and then found out on Thursday morning that that test from Tuesday was positive so obviously he didn't play last night he wasn't in the stadium last night but the question becomes 
Who may he have infected against the Orioles on Tuesday? Who may he have infected in the clubhouse or wherever on Wednesday? And that's what the NFL is dealing with, Shereen, until there is point-of-care testing that can give a result within 15 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes, or a full hour where you don't have to send it away and wait for 24 hours. In that 24 hours between collection of sample and communication of result, you can have somebody who ultimately was positive when the test was, was taken who has been on a practice field around teammates or worst case scenario in a game against opponents for three hours out there sweating and breathing and coughing and bleeding and that that's the ultimate chemistry experiment for the NFL that's the you know the players are the guinea pigs to see whether or not there will be transmission in that kind of a setting because Juan Soto's example proves to us that that possibility is real that there's going to be a guy who slips through the cracks when the time lag is 24 hours from when the test is is harvested to when the test is finalized. And look, football's way worse than baseball. Baseball doesn't have contact when you're out in the outfield. I mean, you're more than six feet away from the, the other outfielder. When you're infielder, you, you're more than six feet away. So they do have the social distancing in, in baseball for the most part, aside from when they're in the dugout and they wear the mask when, when they're in the dugout, some of them wear out them out in the field, but football, you're just not going to have that. And, and some players we already know are resistant to wearing these masks. So they're going to be spitting all over each other and sweating all over each other and bleeding all over each other. And we did see an example in the XFL right before it closed of a player testing positive, And we don't know how that spread because it shut down right after that. But it very easily could spread and very quickly could spread in the NFL. We see why the NFL wants, the NFLPA wants daily testing. There's no question about that. That's what they need. But they've got to turn these things around, these tests around very quickly to get the results and not have happen what Juan Soto had happen, where you are amongst your teammates and you have tested, you do have it and you don't know you have it at the time. Yeah, I had somebody connected to the union try to push back on me a little bit last night when I raised this point, arguing that there would be a test on Friday. You go into a bubble after that in advance of a Sunday game. So if it comes back Saturday that you're positive, you're going to be out. But it's unlikely that you're going to have a situation where you test on Saturday and you get the positive on Sunday. Or I, I, I look, I don't. I, I look back at the text again. I didn't follow it when I got it. And I don't follow it now. The reality is there's always going to be a lag. There's always going to be a possibility that you develop the positive one day after you test negative, right? If you're tested every day, negative, 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 positive, that's how it works. The positive just happens. If in that 24 hours between generation of the sample that becomes positive and finding out it was positive, you play in a game you're going to potentially infect other people, people from other teams, teammates. I mean, that's the one moment where everyone gets thrown into a blender. They can do everything they can all week long to keep guys six feet apart and to wear masks and to be careful. And, and even if they're doing 11 on 11 drills, there are ways that they can, you know, either not huddle or use the wider line splits as they do walkthroughs. There are all sorts of precautions you can take and they will. But when it's time to play a game, if one guy's out there who's positive, you're right, Shireen. It's not like baseball where everyone is spread out. They're all pressed together. And there is a way that you are going to potentially have a guy who tested Saturday 
It came back negative. Gives a test Sunday before the game. It comes back positive after the fact. And then you have to do all the contact tracing and all the enhanced testing. And you have to watch and wait and see if you're going to have an outbreak. That's the concern that football has. And that's what they need to be taking seriously until they have point of care testing. The, the great thing for baseball and for the NFL looking forward is that baseball conducted in their last round of tests that they announced, conducted over 10,000 tests. They had five positive tests, less than 1%. But if it's just one player in football and he's around all those other players and doesn't know he's positive, he's asymptomatic, then they're going to have a problem because we know how quickly it spreads. So that, that five positive test on the one week could turn into 25, 30, 40 positive tests, who knows how many, uh, the next time they test. And so that's the danger you face. You also face the danger of uh, a whole group of players, say all the quarterbacks, which, you know, Bruce Arians said he may quarantine a quarterback. But what if all your quarterbacks test positive the Friday before a game? What are you going to do uh, for a quarterback? So there are so many hurdles left. Uh, even if NFL and NFLPA agree on what they need to agree on, there are tons of hurdles left for this season to transpire from start to finish. The biggest leap of faith, the biggest roll of the dice that the NFL is taking here is that, and they believe this to be true, that transmission in an open-air stadium or under a very high dome that has a ventilation system that was designed to counter an aerosol attack by terrorists, and all of the domes have that level of technology, that in that setting, the transmission rates will be ridiculously low, that the transmission happens most frequently in confined spaces. Now, we'll find out whether or not that's true, but they're pinning the hopes for the 2020 season on that because it's inevitable that one of these guys, week one, when they're playing all those games, one of those guys will have given a test that morning after previously testing negative, will test that morning and find out the next day that he was positive and he will have played in the game, and that is going to be an issue that the NFL needs to be ready to deal with. You mentioned, Shereen, the possibility of an NFL-NFLPA agreement. I'm told that there is optimism that they are going to get something done. There's been some huffing and puffing by ownership, and there's been some reporting out there that isn't exactly accurate that – the league would just shut the whole season down if the NFLPA doesn't agree to some sort of a prorated force majeure situation where you only get paid for the games you play. But the union recognizes that, look, somehow, some way, we are going to play. And the union recognizes that there does need to be some flexibility here. The way the CBA is written, there's no force majeure clause. If they play only one game, the players get full pay. The problem is, if they play only one game and the players get full pay and there's no revenue from the other 15 games, the salary cap next year is going to be about $50 million per team, which means all the veterans are going to get cut. Everybody's going to get re-signed to minimum salary deals, and it's going to be almost impossible for teams to function normally in 2021. So the union recognizes that. And I think the trade-off is for the non-guaranteed salaries. Now, for fully guaranteed salaries, Shireen, I, and this is, this is going to create some awkwardness between players who have fully guaranteed salaries and players who don't. I think the players with fully guaranteed salaries are going to get their full salaries even if there is a shortened season. Players with non-guaranteed salaries would get prorated amounts. And the, the easiest example is this, $16 million salary. If it's fully guaranteed but there's only 10 games – you get $16 million. If you have a $16 million salary and it's not guaranteed and there's only 10 games, 
you get $10 million. It's that simple. That's how I think it's going to shake out. And and the idea is, and in, in return for that, the NFLPA will get what it's, it wants by way of spreading out the losses from this year over the balance of the current CBA through 2030 to make it easier for teams to operate, to make it easier for players to get paid, to not have that gigantic reduction in the salary cap come in 2021. Yeah, I was on a 90-minute conference call last week with NFLPA leadership. It was exactly a week ago, and DeMora Smith explained, and it really made a lot of sense. He said, look, these players are taking huge health and safety risks by going out on the field in the middle of a pandemic, and they are. And he said, why should they also have to take the financial consequence of going out and risking their health and safety? It doesn't make sense. And, and by that, the NFL wants to take the hits on the salary cap this year and on the salary cap next year, which obviously if they take the hit on the salary cap this year, even if it's $10 million, you're going to see a ton of veteran players be cut and either be out of a job this year or go sign for a minimum deal. I mean, there's just no way you can cut, cut that much money off your salary cap. There's Their rosters are set right now in the NFL, so it'd be hard to do it this year. And I understand exactly his point. They want to spread it out over the length of the set of the CBA, which is 11 years. And, and by doing that, these players get off the hook a little bit and they get their money when they're putting themselves at risk to go out on the football field in the middle of a pandemic. You, you mentioned an interesting point, though, as it relates to the possibility of cutting players. We see that every year. Now, it's harder this year to cut an established veteran because you don't have the full opportunity to come to the level of confidence you need to have that the young player is going to be able to step in and play because the, the young player yeah. hasn't proven anything to you yet, given the absence of an offseason program. But I think the NFLPA recognizes at some level that the teams are going to get some of their money back if they really want it back. And would it be collusive? Potentially. Do you really want to have to try to prove it when it's so hard to prove that kind of thing? No, but but I, I've been saying all along, hey, the, the league – if the league wants 20% of the money back and the union says we're not going to reduce salaries by 20%, well, they'll just cut 20% of the payroll and they'll call it a football decision and you're never going to be able to prove it and you're not going to want to spend your time and your effort trying to prove it, especially at a time when your focus is keeping football going. All right, we're going to keep it going with fill in the blank, including a Super Bowl champion who says he's coming after Michael Jordan. We'll explain when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey NASCAR fans, you're back here in Kansas City, live with the CEO, Stagnation Stone Cold Jones. Gentlemen, start your hand. Chris Jones with the gentleman start your engines last night. Hey, he uh, he got his engine started with the big contract. That leads to our first question for fill in the blank today, Shireen. Blank would be the best NFL personality to go, gentlemen, start your engines. Although Chris Jones did a much better job than I would have expected. You know, y- y- he's not one of those guys who's out there with the big colorful personality I think he did a good job I think he nailed it who would be the best one from the NFL in your view it's a no-brainer Mike if you say anybody other than Rob Gronkowski you're wrong because he would be the best at gentlemen start your engine I sometimes it's ladies it's drivers start your engine I know but now they have all men driving I did watch the race last night he did do a good job and uh, you know you think of other guys who probably would do a pretty good job too Philip Rivers and Peyton Manning, if we're talking about former players, and I think Richard Sherman would be pretty good. But Rob Gronkowski absolutely would be the best guy to do it, don't you think? Well, yeah, he would be the best. Now, there's also the best, and then there's the most entertaining and the most that would be conducive to our jobs, things to talk about, like the Anthony Fauci uh, first pitch last night. <laughs> I'd like yeah. to see. I'd like to see Bill Belichick have to do it. I'd like to see how... Well, yeah. What would there? What would he do? Would would he? Would he like really fall into it and 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 get excited about it, or will it? Would it be the typical flatline Bill Belichick, uh, gentlemen? Um, put your uh, keys uh, in the uh, in the ignition and uh, <laughs> and, and turn them. <laughs> so uh, I, I'd want I'd want to see somebody that we wouldn't expect. To do it. That's why I enjoyed Chris Jones. I, I wouldn't have expected him to be great, and he was great. So I'd like to see somebody that, you know, you know Gronk is going to be good. I'd like to see somebody else and, and see what they could do. Hey, but it's like Fauci. You have to know your limitations, Mike. You said that earlier. I think Bill Belichick has to know his limitations. He would not be good at that job. Do your job. Pete Demolitis. That would not be one of his jobs. <laughs> Pete Demolitis has a suggestion that I will credit him for instead of just outright stealing it like I usually do. He suggests Justin Tucker, the Ravens kicker, doing it in opera voice, which would definitely be entertaining. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, we go with that. All right, next topic, Tyree Kill, the Chiefs receiver. Following up on the recent comments from Chris Jones that the Chiefs are going to deliver five-plus championships, which means at least six uh, Tyreek Hill sees Chris Jones six and raises it to seven, claiming that the Chiefs are chasing Michael Jordan. Tyreek Hill predicting seven rings and chasing Jordan is what, Shireen? It's crazy. Uh, you know, I guess it's good to have goals, but, you know, we think back to Aaron Rodgers when he first started his career. He said, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to be awesome. He's going to win multiple Super Bowls. He's sitting here at one Super Bowl toward the end of his career. They have drafted his replacement now, and he has one Super Bowl to his name. Brett Favre, one Super Bowl. Peyton Manning, we saw how long it took him to, to get another Super Bowl. These things just don't grow on trees. You don't go pick them and go, oh, this is so easy. And you look at how hard it was for the Chiefs last year. I mean, 
now we think, oh, they have the best team in the NFL. It was hard last year. They weren't the best team in the regular season. They got down in every playoff game, had to come back. It's a difficult thing to do. So to think you're going to go win six or seven, five, six, seven, dynasties don't happen unless they're in New England, modern-day dynasties. Uh, and that was only because of Brady and Belichick. So I guess it's possible, but it, it, I, I'm not going to bet on them winning more than a couple of Super Bowls for sure. Yeah, look, I, I mean, the, the Patriots won six over a 20-year period, and we're astounded by that in this day and age with the salary cap. Now, look, Patrick Mahomes did a contract that makes it easier for the Chiefs to maneuver over the next dozen years, but it really is lunacy to make that kind of a claim when you just have one. Maybe if you get to two or three, I could see that creep in, proving you can go back to the valley of zero and zero, as Dennis Green called it, and climb to the top of the mountain again. But the target is going to be even larger. And, yeah, they had to pull a rabbit out of the hat three times last year. We had the clip of the third and 15 play earlier with Kyle Shanahan talking about how he realized we're in a game here. It wasn't a game. They were down 10 points, the Chiefs were, with seven minutes left. They were down 24 in the divisional round. They were down 10 points twice in the first half of the AFC Championship game. You can't bank on that always working out your way. And I know when you have Patrick Mahomes, maybe you can. And maybe that's the difference here. Maybe, maybe all these other guys can talk all they want. And when push comes to shove, Mahomes is going to find a way to make it happen. Maybe that's why they're, they're confident to the point of, of delusional over the top. But it's too hard. It's too hard to win one, much less two, three, four, five, six, seven. The year after the Patriots won their first one, what did they do? They didn't even make the playoffs in 2002. All right, Tua Tungafailoa, the Dolphins quarterback, rookie fifth overall pick out of Alabama, says he's ready to go. Shereen, he'll be starting by when? Well, I don't think he'll start until after the Dolphins are out of the playoff race. And with the additional playoff teams and with Tom Brady no longer in the AFC East, I think the Dolphins are going to stay in the race for most of the season. So I'm going to put the over-under at week 14. I think it's going to be more like wow. the Patrick Mahomes rookie season uh, when he played week 17, he got that one game in and then came back and was the starter the next year. I think he's going to sit on the bench for most of the year, especially since there was no offseason program. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be late in the year. They're out of the race. Uh, if they're in the race, then I don't see him starting this year. I'm taking the under on that one. I think we're going to see him by Halloween. I think, I think that, that, that Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, is not going to be worried about – Tua Tonga-Vailoa's injury history because, look, at some point we got to put him out on the field and see what he can do. And if you're going to draft this guy, you are accepting the reality that he will have potential injuries and we need to find out if he can protect himself at the NFL level. I, I Look, Alex Smith is not the quarterback in Miami. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we see Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, when, when things start to go well, that's the setup for him to start to have that dip where you start looking around for other alternatives. And I think that uh, Flores at the end of the day is going to go with the guy he thinks gives him the best chance to win. And at some point before Halloween, he's going to think Tua Tonga Bailoa gives him the best chance to win. All right, last one. Vikings signing coach Mike Zimmer to a contract extension is what, Shireen? Well, I think it's smart. And right after that report came out that the Vikings and Mike Zimmer were close to a multi-year extension, uh, I texted Zim and I just said, hey, I'm really happy for you. It, Zim is one of the all-time good guys in this league. I just can't even tell you how much respect I have for him and Tony Dungy. And I've been around a lot of, of great coaches and, and good men. Herm Edwards is another one that comes, comes to mind, Rod Marinelli. But 
Uh, Zim's happy to be there, and and I truly thought he would come back to Dallas and coach the Cowboys at some point, but that's not going to happen. And I remember sitting down with him before uh, before he had gotten his head coaching job, and it took him a long time to get one. And he said, you know what, when I finally get a head coaching job, 31 teams are going to regret that they didn't give me a chance to coach their team. I believe that he will win a Super Bowl at some point. He's not going to win six or seven, but I think he will win a Super Bowl in his career in Minnesota. Shireen, Shireen, it's far too early to be drinking. Uh, and, 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 I'm, and I'm not saying they won't, but, but uh, I, I, they, look, I, I think that signing him to an extension is a no-brainer once you sign Kirk Cousins to an extension. I had an argument that I made earlier this year that with Zimmer and Cousins and Rick Spielman and Dalvin Cook all entering contract years, just let them enter the contract years. Just, just let them Go prove it. Now, maybe the idea with the pandemic, let's have some stability. Let's do what we can this year. Let's hope that it works. And then let's focus on 2021. You know, they've, they've been close. They've been competitive. He's been one of the best coaches in Vikings history. Um, and, and once you keep Cousins, you have to keep Zimmer. And they're going to see if this formula eventually can work. They just have a hard time. We were talking about this yesterday. When they come up against that dominant team, they have a hard time getting it done. We'll see if that changes. All right. When we return, we're going to see if things change for the New York Jets. Jamal Adams tried calling out the owner earlier this week. Now he's calling out the head coach. Will it get Jamal Adams what he wants, a one-way ticket out of New York? We'll discuss that next here on PFT. Earlier this week, when allegations surfaced regarding workplace statements that uh, triggered some complaints against Woody Johnson, the owner of the New York Jets, not in the Jets' workplace, but in his capacity as the U.S. ambassador to Great Britain, Jamal Adams took to Twitter to call out the owner of the team. And I said yesterday, hey, you're trying to, you're trying to get out. You do whatever you have to do to try to get out. Well, it didn't work to call out the owner Shireen, so now Jamal Adams speaking to Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News calls out Adam Gase. I don't feel like he's the right leader for this organization to reach the promised land. As a leader, what really bothers me is that he doesn't have a relationship with everybody in the building. At the end of the day, he doesn't address the team. If there's a problem in the locker room, he lets another coach address the team. If we were playing crappy and we're losing, he doesn't address the entire team as a group at halftime. He'll walk out of the locker room and let another coach handle it. Ow. Boom. Bang. But... The motivation is obvious. Jamal wants out. So he's doing whatever he has to do to try to get out. Well, and he also said that they've given him the okay that if they get a deal good enough, they will trade Jamal Adams. But the Jets want too much in a trade for Jamal Adams. They're not going to get that. I mean, Dallas offered him a first-round draft pick at, at the draft, and they turned that, that down. And so they're they're asking for a lot more than that. And I just don't see them getting what they want for Jamal Adams. So – I don't know where this ends. I don't know if he's going to hold out and, and not show up and they don't trade him and it's a Le'Veon Bell type situation. I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, they're not going to get what they want for Jamal Adams in a right. trade unless they come down a long way in what they, they're asking for. And Shireen, Jamal Adams also told Manish that Jamal will be showing up for my teammates when training camp opens. He wants to be with an organization that wants to win and do things the right way, but he will show up. And look, he's looking at a $50,000 fine per day if he doesn't show up. You immediately lose a year of credit toward free agency now. There isn't that you have to show up before 30 days prior to the start of the regular season. That was the old donut hole where a guy who wasn't uh, a vested veteran 
could hold out for a little while before jeopardizing a year of credit toward free agency. So for all those reasons, he will show up. And for all the reasons you stated, I don't think the Jets are going to be able to trade him. And on top of it, if you come close to giving the Jets what they want, Jamal Adams wants a new contract. And even though the Texans did it with Laramie Tunsil and the Rams did it with Jalen Ramsey, it doesn't make it not stupid to do that. You don't trade for a guy like that without getting the contract done. And who's going to give out a new contract, Shireen, in the middle of a pandemic? It ain't going to happen. Jamal Adams isn't going to get what he wants. The Jets aren't going to get what they want. So they got to find a way to get through it this year. Well, and we saw what happened. We saw what happened with Jalen Ramsey last year. Yes, he was on the team. As you said, he showed up. But hey, he was suddenly had all sorts of injuries where he didn't play. We could see that with Jamal Adams, too. So there's no guarantee he's going to be on the football field for games. And you just wonder, you know, his passion, his desire. He wants to be there for his teammates. You know, it had to be difficult for Jalen Ramsey to thread that needle because there is a perception you're quitting on your teammates. Will Jamal Adams do what Jalen Ramsey did last year? I don't think every player is wired in a way to pull that off. Jamal Adams just wants to play football at the end of the day, and I think that will overcome any desire to work the business angle. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, Dallas Sports Radio has been fired up about some comments that were made regarding Dak Prescott's future with the Cowboys. He's under contract for 2020. Does he want to be with the team? in 2021. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 